We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to issue 590 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashtani. And this week, we have two guests. Uh, we have Keith and Jen. Um, we've had Keith on, I think, before, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, of Together Studios, because they're going to talk about their newest game for the Adventure Zone podcast, which is fantastic. So uh, last time I was here was playing uh, an early draft of the Adventure Zone with you all. I think maybe. I think last time you were with us was for Gloom. For Gloom, because you were talking about a a new version of Gloom was coming out, and a new version of Gloom is coming out. It's Mm -hmm. Kickstarter right now. I saw that, like like more of like a role playing version of it, or an extended version, expanded. Mind if I jump in for just a Go moment? Go for it. Uh, so just to explain, Gloom uh, <laughs> Year, which is uh, a night at Hemlock Hall, it's still basic Gloom, and part of what I wanted to do was to go back to the theme of the original Gloom, rather than, you know, space, Cthulhu, etc. cetera. Uh, but it expands on the storytelling hooks and, you know, really trying to uh, help people build a story. Uh, and I could talk about that a lot more, but hey, we have another storytelling game to to talk about. But check yeah. out Gloomier on Kickstarter, and that's yeah, Atlas Games. That's true. Nice. Yeah, go ahead and uh, I mean, fire away on this uh, the game you're designing for uh, with the Adventure Zone crew. Uh, yeah, so uh, we reached out to the Adventure Zone crew, the McElroys, uh, if you will. Uh, who are, of course, uh, the podcast dynasty family. So you might know them for uh, from uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and of course, The Adventure Zone, the actual play podcast, where they play D&D uh, as a family. And uh, they've had three arcs over, what, five or six years now. And um, so we wanted to do a, a game that was approachable for new players, great for families, also great if you uh, want to play D&D with your friends and you just don't have the spoons. So uh, <laughs> it is uh, a really great get up and go um, 
uh, adventure you know, storytelling game. No DM is needed. Um, and it is card driven. So uh, you want to talk about it more? Yeah. I mean, one of the things to me is when we first mentioned we were doing it, a lot of people were like, I thought the Adventure Zone game was D&D. Uh, but what we really wanted to do was to try and capture the the sort of actual experience people enjoy about listening to the Adventure Zone, which is more about this family of friends uh, having fun creating a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an episode of the Adventure Zone is about an hour. And so we wanted this experience where you're getting together with your friends who may or may not know how to play like traditional role playing games. And you're by the end of 40, you know, 75 minutes you're going to have told a fun, hilarious story that you all enjoyed. Yeah. So it's an adventuring party game, yeah. uh-huh. if you will. Someone said uh, it's like if you took D&D and make it in, made it into a party game. Uh, and I think that's a, oh, great, nice. a great pitch. So, Which there is a high demand for those type of games. There are a lot of people who are into D&D and want to try out D&D, but it's overwhelming for them. And if they can't find a party or a DM to handle it, having games like this yeah. mm-hmm. which has a lot of the f- flavor and a lot of the spirit of the game that yeah. uh, really helps and i think too that it's okay to ha- like and play D and also play a game like this uh mm-hmm. there's just times where you want something lighter you're um it's you know in the future and you're all at a pub or mm-hmm. um you um all of you are exhausted from um, living through uh, a panini and are just like, let's just play something quick and easy. And, you know, this is two hours, very little setup, no DM, everyone gets to play. Um, And really all the story prompts are really there um, on the cards. They really make you as funny as, um, (laughs) as one of the, one of the family members. And I I really love that. Um, and uh, so, but it's also no pressure. If you have friends who are a little bit shyer, there's ways that you can go about it. There's there's crevices in the game for people who are not really role players, but are just kind of want to play the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, nice. it's building on the same sort of experience uh, that uh, we explored with Gloom, where the point is the storytelling is really the best part of the experience. But you also want to make sure there is a game that works even if the person is nervous, is shy, well, they can still roll the die and just see if they succeed or fail. It's just here we go a little step farther and a lot of cards, you know, ask you questions and will give you bonuses if you come up with an answer. Yeah. And so it actually makes the storytelling part of the game and not just, oh, this is a layer that the game's more fun if you do it. Right. No, that's a really cool element to it. So it encourages people that are sometimes shy to kind of, you know, loudly feel themselves have a little bit safer entry into the storytelling part. The cards kind of give them prompts also. Yeah, that's the idea. Which nice. is again in your wheelhouse. Yeah. For, for, board, for games. <laughs> right. I like the idea that it can be D&D-esque in, in concept, but is does not require a long-term commitment. Mm-hmm. I'm in three, four gaming campaigns right now. And none of them is designed to have an end date necessarily. You just keep going. And even in the best of times, uh, getting adults together can be hard. Um, (laughs) And so the idea of trying to complete a, a long campaign can just be a little bit daunting sometimes. And it's nice to just be able to pull something out of the drawer and just go and have a good night and not worry about what you're going to do with it the rest of the year. Right. Right. 
there's not a huge preciousness to it. And I think the only thing that we were kind of precious about was um, we had to make a, a choice of whether our character sheets were going to be tear away or like a whiteboard material. Actually, making them whiteboard material would have been cheaper, but uh, there's an area where we could, you could draw a picture of your character and have notes. And we kind of thought since they're kind of like little parties or, or little happenings, people kind of want a little piece of that game. Um, so we made them into tariff sheets. But I, I see that um, it is very, it's it's a lot more in the moment than uh, than the, an ongoing D&D campaign. And it's far more, you can jump right in. We did a lot of playtesting on people who, with, who didn't know anything about the adventure zone, uh, playing with people who did, um, and would they still enjoy it? And they did, uh, which nice. was huge for us. Uh, if you're going to find people to play with, uh, you don't have to tell them the entire lore of uh, a 70-hour um, <laughs> podcast <laughs> in order to play. And I think that's a really important part of it uh, to me. I'm also, you know, currently running a couple of Eberron campaigns and working on my next Eberron book. And it is that point both that this is just something that you can just experience in the evening, enjoy. uh, But also it is that key point of when we worked with the McElroys in the beginning, you know, we talked about a lot of possibilities. And one of the things we said is the point of this game is not to replay the action of the balance arc of the adventure zone. Uh-huh. It's to say that this is a tool for you to create your own stories in that universe. And basically it uses modular decks uh, to sort of create a, a particular adventure, a mission, by saying okay. we have a villain, we have a location, we have a relic that we're trying to reclaim. All the players collaborate together to sort of add details. Well, who is this lich? Where is the cave? You know, And that way, every time you play it, it is creating this unique adventure that's really built on what uh, you come up with. And we've played it to this point, you know, over a hundred times with all the times we've been playing and every story is something different. Uh, I still think the the time we played recently with Justin McElroy is probably, uh, you know, Yeah, we we played uh, quite a bit on our Twitch stream as well. And those are recorded. So if anybody wants to see what the game looks like in action, you can go over there. Um, You can go to Together Studios, uh, uh, twitch.tv, Together Studios, T-W-O, Together Studios. Two. Two, together. (laughs) And and also, if you go to theadventurezonegame.com, there's lots of little videos and 40-second overviews. You can see how the game is played, too. I put a link in our the YouTube chat to, to there. Technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I like the fact that one of the features on there is that you talk about how to play over video conferencing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got some fun backgrounds and PDFs of the, of the stuff and um, added a couple of tools that uh, of how to play, but it's been, it's so easy. I mean, when we, uh, we were just about to go to print, last april and before we did i wanted to play over video chat to see if it was going to work and uh ended up playing every single day for over a month (laughs) uh with uh different people who backed and and just said hey i'm gonna just do a game every day people sign up uh and it was great people didn't know each other and they played and we we played just with i had like a little camera on my my desk and it was great um and it worked out really fun so and and i really think that is sort of a point for me again is 
there isn't a game master. There's a team leader who basically is just saying somebody needs to know the rules. It's sort of like being the banker in Monopoly. You're playing the game, but <laughs> uh, somebody knows how it actually works. I would right. always steal money, though. Did you always steal money when you were the banker? I only stole money in Illuminati because in Illuminati, you were supposed to steal <laughs> Yeah, that's <money>. true. <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. Okay. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, the, the point to me is, is one of the things I love most about tabletop role-playing games in general is that collaborative storytelling experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, going way back into the distant past, in 2009, I traveled around running D&D games for people all over the world, and I ran the same game 60 times. And what I loved about it was just seeing the way different people interacted with the story. And you get that same experience here of even though the base elements of the story are simpler than, say, a D&D adventure, it's still always fun. Like, Jim played, you know, 30 games in a row, and yet it's always fun just to see, well, what's this group come up with? Yeah. You know, it's always it's always new because it's created by yeah. each individual conjunction of people. Yeah. Right. This says a lot, too, about the, the folks that wanted to get on board to play with complete strangers at the beginning of... <laughs> this yeah that's that's pretty impressive i think uh mcelroy fans are really amazing um they're usually incredibly generous and uh are just especially if they know the world they're just excited to be in it and you know last march april may was um uh you know right now feels equally uh bad (laughs) but then then i felt like we had less information and i think it was scarier and people had less to do and i think um it was uh it was really great meeting people that way it was really interesting when we had i remember one guy he he was setting up a covid testing drive-through um his job is was in public health in Mm -hmm. a town in the middle of the united states um i think it was kansas literally and uh, he's like, I only have a couple hours off a week, and I made sure that I want. This was how I wanted to spend my time this week. I want to be in this world rather than this one right <laughs> now. And to me, I just was like, okay, this is amazing. You know, just um, have that level of uh, excitement. So that that also makes me feel really good about knowing that there is someone in the Kansas State health yeah. system. Yeah. <laughs> that this is how they spend their off time so that they can focus and, and be a good person yeah. in the real world. That's yeah. awesome. I also think that um, what we found is, you know, before we work with any, so we worked on Illimat with Decemberists and their families mm-hmm. kind of seeing what they were like and, and what game would really appear, um, appeal to them. And we did the same for the McElroys. We didn't want to say, oh, every McElroy fan is like us. Um, because uh, so we went to a lot of their shows and talked to a lot of the people in the audience. And um, people thought I was incredibly weird because they had no idea they were making a game. Or I, I was just acting like, you know, <laughs> I, am, I'm, I felt like my mom. I was like, hi, I'm Jen. How are you? Do you play games? You know, and uh, uh, so... Um, but what we really found was um, a lot of people who were introduced to role-playing games for the first time through the McElroys who are not normally seen. Like if you saw a group of them in an audience, you wouldn't say, these are all gamers. These are all people I would see at Gen Con. These are all people I'd see at mm-hmm. Emerald City, Comic-Con, Rose City. They're, they're not really who you would see there. And, um, and so it was a really great opportunity to play with people 
who were like, I've never played a role-playing game before, but I love, I love this podcast and, um, and I've done improv. Maybe I can play. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're going to be fine. You know? And, <laughs> um, uh, and as well as people who, uh, you know, were in five D and D campaigns uh, in addition to, uh, Oh yeah, I'll help you play test. So there was a, a whole gamut uh, 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 there that we kind of wanted to make sure that we had things that they were excited about. So. Uh, I do have to say one of just the tiny little things about the game, but it makes me very happy, is um, we decided that we wanted to have a D20 with this game, because that's one of the things you're playing a role-playing game. You should have one of those wacky D20s. You know, that's right. <laughs> you don't really know D&D that well. Doesn't that use those funny dice? Uh, but basically, the game uses a, a range of one to six, and so we actually created a D20 <laughs> D6 that is basically three d20s with a with a critical hit and an epic fail face on it uh but it's a lot of fun the first time people start playing and you're like and then you just roll the die and add it and they're you know they think oh d20 this is easy and you're like of course it only goes up to six and I'm like, what? right yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it is giant so yeah. you know it's a big it's a big d20 and one of the reasons nice. why it's so big is a um we actually had in mind that this is something that should be on a footprint that you could play uh, on a coffee table or in a pub or something like that, that that you didn't have a lot of space. And so that you could see, everyone could see the die roll that Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But um, also because uh, we didn't want people cheating. Uh, (laughs) No. Gamers cheat? (laughs) Only when playing Illuminati. I mean, no. (laughs) And also paranoia. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> I, I will say just just minor geek notes from the past that uh, I remember when I was in high school playing Illuminati and you know playing with oh you get to cheat roll and everyone else playing would be like really tentative and sneaky and hee hee I stole five five you know mega bucks and I basically would always just if I was going to cheat I would take a handful. And just like hide it, and at the end of the game, be like, "Yeah, I just had all the money. Like I had half the bank." People, that's what you're supposed to do with that one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you're, yeah, one waste time. Go big, go home. Yeah. So that really quick, like, so one of our friends was has been playing Illuminati since like it first came out, mm-hmm. and they used to come with blank cards you could write your own rules to. Yep. And uh, the one he wrote was that um, I forgot how he worded it. But basically, he wrote that all Arm and Hammer is actually spies of the Soviets. And if you have Arm and Hammer in your fridge, you have already lost the game. Mm-hmm. So he would play that and he's like, go check your fridge. <laughs> and everyone has a box of fucking Arm and Hammer you know, on their fridge. Mm-hmm. Like, I win. They're like, that's cheating. He's like, no, I won. You, 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 know, you shouldn't allow spies in your kitchen. <laughs> now I'm just going to have to buy off brand baking soda for that's the rest right. of my life. Just yep. <laughs> Well, now it's out there. Mm-hmm. Fire for the win. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my plan, so he can't use that card on me anymore. Ah. <laughs> part of the great Kroger conspiracy. He's an agent <laughs> of Kroger. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. man. Yep. Oh, nice. So, um, I'm, I mean, what's the age range for the game? And do you think, it, you know, depending on a, the person, could someone a little bit younger play it? or? So, yeah. So uh, there's a funny thing about t- importing toys and games in the United States. Um, and 
And so it says 13 and up on the box. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've had a lot of people who are playing with uh, families and kids age 10. Justin McElroy has been playing with his uh, daughter, who is, I think, seven. Um, And I saw someone play with a four-year-old, but it was a very toned down version of the game. So um, I I would say 10 and up, nine and up is is probably good with with, uh, other adults. I I think the the key is you need someone, you know, 13-ish to actually understand the rules and and go. Sure. That's what Uh we're playing. A lot of it is we'll just tell a story about what you want to do and then someone will roll the die for you and tell you if you succeeded, you know? Right. So there's a lot of kids who like to tell stories. There's a little bit more structure than that in the game. but but I'm saying the for the kids. Yeah, but I would say it's a really good um, family game. Uh, you know, as far as all the humor on the cards, there's nothing um, blue or anything. Or, or right, um, almost nothing. Um, almost nothing. Unlike this show, cool babies. <laughs> there's what cool, I'm there's a couple of cool babies, but um, <laughs> every parent always goes through you know whatever their game and, and reviews it first and takes up right. So, uh, but there's, uh, but I'd say 10 and up. So we have a lot of families who are really digging it and also, uh, you know, adults. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, I think a lot, I don't think a lot of people realize that kids are way more intuitive when it comes to gaming than we give them credit for. Oh, sure. (laughs) It it is, it is my general rule of thumb whenever I'm asked at Guardian about it's like, is this a good game for kids? It's like, I don't know. I don't know your kid. Yeah. Like, do you, do you know your kid? I've described what the game is. What does it sound like to you? It's like, oh yeah, this this is something my kid would do. It's like, there's your answer. I feel the like, same way about older folks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, they if they've been playing card games their whole life, they've been playing with uh, that memory of of all of that executive processing of mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. you do in a game. There was nothing written on the cards. You had to know all the games and all the moves and all the all the things. Especially if they play bridge. Holy cow! Oh so, yeah. Uh, you know they can play Azul. They can play Illimat. They can play all those games. Uh, uh, if you know, and we don't necessarily always give them credit for that. So uh, I feel the same way about some older folks as I do when people about that with kids. I, I think it's a funny point of of for me Illimat when we made it. One of the things about Illimat was it was the first game of mine I'd made that I could play with my dad. Uh, and so I'm it was like, in his eighties. Oh, yeah, so. mm-hmm. I'm just saying. So it's 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 good for over you know yeah. seven. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas something like Gloom is just too weird. Yeah. <laughs> action cats. I played Action Cats with my uh, full family. Yeah. So. I played with my mom who was never a, a card player or anything, but she just got to be the um, the judge for every round. So. Yeah. That's fair. Well, hopefully I can get my spouse into, into the Adventure Zone game. I think you can. Uh, I, tried to, I tried to get her into Gloom and she just can't click with it because it's not fast enough. Granted, almost all of our friends are storytellers of one kind or another, so our rounds last a little mm. We go into real. This is my deep. shocked face, <laughs> and my and my spouse is very much make the play, move the move it along, and we're telling like elaborate stories and using accents, and she's already like, okay, guys, okay. <laughs> I think this might be a little more her speed. Yeah, <laughs> but I might recommend when you play the, the Adventure Zone uh, with her. There's. Um, Excuse me with them. I'm not sure what they're playing. Oh, that's yeah. That's um, they are. Uh, you can play. Uh, you can assist one another. So you can kind of chime in on other people's stories and kind of be a part of it. Um, and 
different uh, characters, uh, classes have different type of assist skills. The bard has the ability to assist almost on every round and every turn. Uh, and so uh, if they want something to do every round, uh, you know, uh, play the bard in the adventure zone. If it's just the two of you, <laughs> uh, I don't ne- necessarily recommend the bard, but, um, uh, you know, play the wizard or, or something, you know, <laughs> the rogue where you have like lots of kind of cool abilities. But one of the things I really like about the adventure zone a game is uh, the ability to assist other players so um it's not like i'm waiting for my turn waiting for my turn waiting for my turn uh and there's kind of hooks in of how people can can assist so uh there's a there's like a built-in pairing there nice yeah it kind of gives me some uh pandemic vibes yeah and and that actually is an important point it's a cooperative game Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are all working together as a team. You win or lose as a team. So part of it too is it's never like oh one character gets knocked out and yeah. then you're you're setting, uh, which can so- be sort of a can cause problems if you're trying to have like a party game kind of a night. Right. Uh, I've definitely uh, there are friends that I no longer wish to play party games with because they're either winning or they're angry. Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not playing board games with them anymore. Uh, but the cooperative games tend to be, they, they sort of cut that off at the best. Mm-hmm. How do you manage yeah. that? How do you manage, um, you know, because sometimes the people get the angriest, like, can't wait to come back next week, you know, for the next, I mean, I know it's probably been a while since all of us had game nights, but I kind of right. wonder, like, what do you do in that situation? Um. Well, luckily, it's a friend that I am not that close with, nor do I typically spend that much time with. And yeah, I just try to be a little bit more... Out out this person on on live. No, no, not at all. They won't know I'm talking about them because I've never never challenged them about it. I'm just sort of... It's just... It's not... And I guess angry is a bit strong. They just get a shitty attitude. And so I... I just try not to play competitive games with them. What we refer to as a poor loser. Yeah. Yeah. Party conducive, like to the enjoyment of everyone there. And I think that 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 bothers me the most because I'm very much like, let's just play games. I'm not really if I'm if I'm having just as good of time with a game that I'm losing, especially when I'm like playtesting something, if I'm losing and having a good time, that's a good game for me. Like, um, so anyway. Uh two random random anecdotes just to throw in. One of the things is I definitely know at least two people I've played games with over the years who part of the problem is they're they're really upset when they're losing, but they get angry even when they're winning, if they're not winning by as much as they think they should be, you know, and you're just like, ugh. Uh, but I do recall going back again about 20 years ago, you know, as game designers, one of the things you do is just tweak other games. And mm-hmm. I had made a wacky uh, variant that sort of mashed up Cosmic Encounter and Monopoly. Uh, where everybody had some kind of crazy power for Monopoly. And one person, one of the powers was the miser who pays one step less when you pay people, which means if you land and they don't have a Monopoly, you don't pay them. Uh, and this this guy playing the game, literally by the time we're in the mid game, I don't think he had any properties. He might have one. Like it was clear he is going to lose. Like there is no way you can win here. And he just played the whole thing straight through, just taking great joy whenever he landed on someone's unimproved property, being able to say, I pay you nothing. (laughs) I just really admired the sort of, he's like, I'm going to find something fun in this. Even though I know I've had the worst luck in history. (laughs) 
there is there is something fun about the player who has a joyous streak of spite in them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's, I, it's always great to play with someone who has fun no matter what. Like the, the point is the game, not exactly. who, who won. I yep. will I will often play some group games that way that there's supposed to be a certain way you're supposed to play it. And if I know I'm gonna lose, I'm like, no, now I'm just gonna become an agent of chaos. Well, that was, that was <laughs> my problem with uh, games like The Resistance is I always want to play a game like The Resistance like a role-playing game. Like, when you have to select people for your mission, I'm going to be like, okay, son, tell me, why do you hate the, you know, the <laughs> and, and things like that. And all the people I would end up playing with want to play it like very logically puzzle-driven. Let's calculate, well, Bob did this, and I'm like, where's the, you know, I could do a crossword <laughs> puzzle if that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Sudoku, perhaps. I'm trying to yeah. decide if I think you would be a good team member or not for an escape room. I think that's mm-hmm. a very, very good question. <laughs> uh, because, uh, no matter how uh, kind and sweet he is, he is a little bit of a Slytherin at heart. So, um, I, uh, which sometimes that. in a sometimes in an escape room really comes in handy, but sometimes it could also be like really. I, I, Slytherins unite. Yeah, I say be a good uh, a good person having an escape room or a bad person, but I'd be a fun person to have an escape room. That's what's most important. Yeah, we have a we have a mutual friend who is incredibly intelligent, uh, a polyglot, and they are awful to have in an escape room because they overthink everything. Mm-hmm. They are seeing puzzles and things that are just clearly. Like no, that's just the color of that's just the wallpaper. Like they're like, the they're like, no, but what? Yeah, and they had a job that used to involve coding and decoding, so their brain is just wired that way. Oh Jesus! Oh. Okay, yep. Yeah, no, they're amazing, but even they have admitted they're like, I can't do these things. I'm I'm trying to think like what my old job used to be, and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, that, that job ruined escape rooms for them. Oh, I mean, yeah, they enjoy the design of it. And they like us having fun, but yeah, uh, yeah they're like, I can't. No, I, I, I'm overthinking everything. Yeah. <laughs> Thus far, these two are the two that I've done escape rooms with, it's true. along with uh, along with you, uh, your significant others. And and when you say these two, you mean your co-hosts, not your dog and your cat. Yes. That's true. I forget how the layout is. Yeah. <gasps> I would really love an escape room that required like some sort of like feline, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like you have to put like a certain like paw or something. I, it opens something. I was, just, I was prepared for the idea that after a year of pandemic, you've just started like <laughs> escape rooms for your pets. <laughs> it's called, I am pet. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being, you know, we still have year two of the pandemic. Yeah. There's time. There's time. <laughs> He's slowly turning into Richard Dreyfus from Close Encounters. Like this, something. He's building He's a got miniature potatoes, but in the shape of a maze. Mm-hmm. Has, have have oh. they made Pandemic Season Three that just is COVID and just being stuck in an apartment? Like that's the game. No, uh, I don't I think know. That's I, too I, real. It's just... I know they came out with Pandemic Hot Zone, like right when the pandemic happened, and every that just took place in the states, and we're like, that's. It's two on the nose, guys. Yeah. Two on the nose. Um, is it still a really hot, ironic seller? I mean, I remember last year 
people were like, oh, let's play pandemic. Yeah, we sold a lot of those right in the first few months. It, it's normalized now. Uh, the one that I like to sell for the, the to really stick it is pandemic contagion, where you're the disease. I, <laughs> my favorite actual version of pandemic with the little cubes. And, uh-huh. and it's competitive. It's like, oh, yeah, this is total. Yep, this is great. You play the disease and it's kind of yep, yep. really cool. Yep. That's awesome. I, isn't the designer of that local to Portland, maybe? No. Um, Matt Leacock? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Matt Leacock is... I I'm going to look that up now. One of the, one of the sort of mini pandemic games mm. you know, has a local designer. I know there's like two of them. I can't remember what the other yeah. one is. Hmm. Look it up. Yeah. I will do I that. Right there, Jen. By the way, this is important knowledge. Uh, Bex in our chat did want to share that uh, they played an escape room once where you had to put the cat poop in a certain place. Oh, so that's like, it's probably as close as you can get to pet-related escape rooms. There you go. Hmm. I'll start saving my cat's poop just in case we need it for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of Bex, she also said that she played uh, Adventure Zone with her seven-year-old. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Question answered. We do have, speaking of questions, we do have a couple questions from our listeners. Yeah, please. Um, This one comes from Norm from Texas. Uh, In playtesting, what was one of the funniest things that you saw players do in the game? Oh, dang. Because there's so many stories, but it's been a while now. First, I will say, okay, so we did... We did playtest events where we had like literally over a hundred people in Chicago in uh, so we had like eight or nine tables going and we did iterative testing. We did one-on-one testing. So we did like a ton of testing on this. Um, and I will say it, it's probably one of the most pleasurable playtest experiences I ever had because I just sat back and listened to people's hilarious stories and wrote down quotes a lot. Um, <laughs> and so so it was a joy to play test this game. It really was. And, um, and it was just really special because uh, we do a lot of blind playtesting without any art on it. Uh, Cause we never want to be accused of a game that like looks really pretty, uh, but doesn't really play well or something like that. So, uh, and also we want to make sure the mechanics are solid and that like, like we're not throwing things off. Uh, and even when, Gosh, I think we used to call it the ugly babysitter. I remember being on a podium in Chicago with 150 people who paid for a ticket to play test the game and have dinner and have like this whole event. Uh, and I would say, you're the ugly baby phase. Uh, we're yeah. we're going to show you the yeah. ugly baby. And um, <laughs> and people like had an amazing time. And so um, I will just say, that's funny. Uh, uh, that was great. And then I would just write down little quotes that people yep. had said, because I love like little things, you know, like, there's just so much fire in my cape contain. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, like just little things like that. I would write it down and sometimes uh... I post it on our, our thing and people are like, what the hell is she posting? Um, but my favorite thing is um, we were in Springfield, Missouri. Um, we we're play testing, uh, must have been February of 2020. No, uh, 2019, 2019, maybe, uh, of late October. And, um, yeah, because 2020, no one was, no one was, <laughs> no one, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right at the very beginning, we were out, yeah. 
People yep. would draw a fantasy Costco card, and the whole table started singing the fantasy Costco theme song from uh, the Adventure Zone. Can we? And uh, uh, I'll, I'll show them the thing uh, after I finish the story. Right. Um, and um, and at the end, I would ask them questions. So, what do you know about the Adventure Zone? And nobody except one person knew anything about the Adventure Zone. So, and none of them knew each other. So they're all like in four part, three part harmony singing this wow. theme song and only one person really knew it. It's not that hard to pick up, but it's, <clears throat> uh, so it was just hilarious that, um, so that's kind of felt really special to and, me anyway. But and, and basically I was going to say the same thing, except to me, that wasn't a one-time occurrence. Hmm. That was something we found generally often is basically if if one person would start saying, you know, whenever you just say fantasy Costco, like, oh, you're getting something from fantasy Costco, (laughs) invariably someone will sing the song. And before you know it, everybody's singing the song every time it comes up. So So, it inspired me in the materials that I just really wanted to make that I wanted to just encourage that when people were were playing. Um, And so in there's a deluxe version of the game. We wanted to make an affordable, like under $40 version of the game, but (laughs) something that had like bells and whistles. So we have this fantasy Costco and it's a card holder that holds all your fantasy Costco cards. But, and I kept this a secret until everyone who pre-ordered it got their, their copy. So I feel okay now being here saying it, there's on the loading dock behind here, there's like a little code. Mm-hmm. Should we demonstrate? Yeah, go ahead. In a second. And when you scan your phone on it, technology. There it is. I got it. Is your yeah, volume it's on? Just, it, there you go. the song song complete you can have the song available at any time to you uh while it's on your table so there you go that's amazing yeah that's great that's our uh, playtesting story that's our playtesting story so yeah, Be- bex also mentioned that she loved the fact that that came with her uh, with her <laughs> copy so clearly she <laughs> she kick-started it so. yeah Yay. Well, and that answers my question about. I noticed that there was a deluxe edition, and uh, yeah. I wanted to know more about that. So, yeah, so the deluxe more edition dice. comes with like metal coins, the fantasy Costco, uh, a dice, dice for everyone, um, and we. Uh, it's a limited edition. We do have some extras available now, so we're now selling through. So once we confirmed everyone received theirs and replaced ones that get lost in the mail. Um, we have a couple hundred left over and those are available now on our website. So uh, at theadventuresongame.com, you can still get it. And, and the cover is um, uh, a foil box uh, special cover with uh, the void fish uh, on it. It's, it's really pretty. If yeah, anyone wants to really go to the is. store right now, it's really pretty. I will have to tell uh, my coworker Tilly about that. Oh. She was very excited about knowing that there is an Adventure Zone <laughs> game. Is that a hoodie like a, or a shirt? We, a had, we had these hoodies. So nice. Uh, there's, a, there's a local uh, nonprofit in Portland called New Avenues for Youth, and they actually mm-hmm. have a print shop. And they're a print shop. They do silkscreen, and they uh, train um, uh, transitional and homeless youth um, how to do um, silkscreening and um, and they and all aspects of the business. So 
um, uh, from accounts and everything. Uh, and so we try to use them as much as possible. So during the holiday season, we did a um, Foyd fish thing and, and, um, uh, and kind of the Adventure Zone fans like really helped uh, New Avenues like uh, uh, ink really stay through the hard winter times here uh, in Portland. So it was really yeah. a uh, local uh, thing that we were able to do. And the That's fans great. Really possible. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to pass that along to the powers of be a guardian. For... Yeah. And they're fabulous. Nice. Questions? Yeah. I know you, I know you have to take off here. We have one more question actually from, from Bex. Um, so she asked, was the game made uh, with the idea of maybe an expansions in the future or is the, is that this it? Uh, so it is very, very possible uh, that there could be um, uh, subtle. An, <laughs> that's, that's what I've known for, um, <laughs> uh, for an expansion in the future. So I would say, um, which will be available at retailers and, and pre-order um, if and when it happens. So um I would just say um, stay tuned, get on our mailing list, togetherstudios.com slash mailing list. Um, and um, we do a monthly newsletter and uh, we'll announce as soon as it's available. Cool. Fantastic. So, well, I think, uh, I think we have to let you go because I think uh, Keith mentioned he has work to do tonight. <laughs> it's true. I am still on a writing deadline for the next Eberron book I'm working on. Oh, oh! You probably can't say what that one is yet, can you? Well, I can actually, because it's not for Wizards of the Coast. Do you mind if I type that? Please do. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, because I'm writing stuff for the DMs Guild, uh, it's a little more free. Yeah. So, Together Studios has a uh, an imprint for all of the work that Keith does on the DMs Guild called KB Presents. Of course, I think. Do you still have the number one thing? Uh, I, I would have to check. So so we made Exploring Eberron, uh, which is a book that I released to the DMs Guild. And for at least seven months, we were number the number one product. And we've been wow. enough there. I'd, I'd have to check to see if we're number one today. Uh, but I'm amazed, frankly, by the response. Huh. And so what I'm working on now is uh, a book called Frontiers of Eberron Threshold. And basically, I've been doing a thing with my Patreon, uh, which is Keith Baker on Patreon, uh, where I'm running an online campaign set on the western frontier of of Eberron, and so it's a little bit like sort of Deadwood meets D and D, you know, awesome. a sort of a fantasy western on the the border of the, the Kingdom of Monsters. And I've just uh, finished the third session actually of this uh, campaign I'm running for patrons, and I sort of randomly bring in. Uh, patrons as players each time and so uh threshold the book is basically like a setting within a setting like it's a a narrow focus on running campaigns in this western frontier region uh and so it goes a lot more into droam uh, which is the nation of monsters in eberron and it just generally is a chance to really sort of zoom in on a small area whereas most of the source books i work on are really big areas um, it reminds me a little bit of the source book for Sharn, which was one of my favorite things to work on, but this is sort of for a little region instead of just one city. And that I hope will be coming out in July. Is my that sounds amazing. I'll have to pick that up. <laughs> but, yeah, if you check out either my Patreon or I talk about Threshold a bunch on my website, which will soon be on Together Studios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I'm sort of developing it all through this ongoing campaign uh, that I'm running online. And that's been a really fun experience. 
That sounds fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. We're very busy days by ourselves in this little house. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that. <laughs> I have a question that is completely apropos to nothing we've discussed all evening, but it's been it's been on my mind since the moment we all got on camera. Are you guys both wearing LAI Works frames? No. I'm wearing. Oh, LA you I nerd. Work. Okay, Jen is. I can tell by the uh, the temple pieces there. Yeah. I don't think so. I think mine says Bevel. If it would say Bevel, Ev- I should know because I think I sold you those. But yes, oh! I think you did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my old old job, pre pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. right. I remember pre cult job. It probably was. <laughs> we need new glasses. We have not bought glasses. Pandemic. I responded to a customer service uh, saying, hi, Jill. And the guy's name was Jim. And I realized I really need a new prescription. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm sorry. That's definitely when you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> but at least awesome. you guys look good in them. Well, yeah, thank you very much. We had help. <laughs> yes, we had good help. <laughs> So I have to bring her to all my glasses now. She'll judge me if I, I know. Get now one. I'm now I'm not in the eyewear industry, but I'm still like I still I still have like a like a internal eye for it. Or I'm like, ooh, I know what that is, and that's good. Yeah, well, we we gotta get new ones. We can consult. I'm getting yeah. Uh, well, I kind of just want a whole. I want a bigger selection of eyewear. Um, you can never uh, have enough. Yeah. Uh, well, you can like. Uh, I, I have a limited budget though. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I definitely want more eyewear because um, I wear them every day. I have a bad astigmatism, so I'm never going to wear contacts again in my life. Um, and uh, it's an easy fashion choice. And usually people are seeing me from here up. Uh, and yes. that's probably not going to change in the next year or maybe two. So Let, let's face it, in the pandemic era, Eyewear is much more important than pants. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it reads better than makeup. Yeah. You can see it more than pants yeah. or shoes. I only got fancy from like here up. I'm literally wearing my nasty uh, homemaking sweatpants right now. Oh, I have my pajama pants on right now. That's basically what these are. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I'm in shorts. When I was, <laughs> I, I worked from home for, for many a decade. And, and what I would tell people when they were like, I got a new job and I'm going to be working from home. I would say, the first thing that you need to do is establish your sweatpants radius, which is <laughs> how far from home you will, you will venture in your sweatpants. Mm-hmm. You go beyond that sweatpants radius, you know, you've gone too far. So, uh, and I still believe that that's like the best advice I could probably give anyone at any time is establish your sweatpants radius, uh, and and don't go beyond it. Loungewear needs boundaries. Yes, yeah. it does. I will. It's a safe way. It's a problem. Yes. It, if you've made it to the airport, it's a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I have really strong feelings about <laughs> loungewear at the airport. Me too. And on planes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But by uh, by I, extent. I do allow myself to wear my loungewear at my local grocery store, but I have a certain time frame with which I am allowed to do it. So it depends between... on how quick the trip is and mm-hmm. what time, how early or how late. In yeah, the... anytime between 6 a.m. and like 8 a.m., it is allowed because I'm clearly running in there to get something I need right then or after midnight. And the important part is that that's your boundaries. Like it's a self it's a self-defined boundary and it's, it's really establishing like what's good for your soul. Because once you start like pushing those boundaries, like mm-hmm. that's when the whole, like, I'm like being good to myself just kind of falls apart. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sound like an elitist snob, but I don't think I've ever left my block 
So in sweatpants. That is your personal sweatpants. Yeah. Boundary, yeah. And, I, and, and, and it's firm and it's rigid. And, and that's just, you know, what you're, uh, and I think that's fine. I think that's good. Uh, for me, I'm very similar, except uh, lately I've just been like, oh, I guess like I should go outside, but I don't want to, you know, like I'm going to go <laughs> for a walk to get some vitamin D, but yeah. But there's a pill for that now. But there's a there pill. is. True. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Keith, Jen, it was amazing having you two on. We should let you get back to your stuff. Us. Yeah, thank you. It was great. And um, We should talk again when Gloomier comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And of course, I'll be emailing you separately. Yeah, Excellent. please do. Excellent. And then we'll we'll plan the barbecue slash game day someday. Oh, yep. and yes, and uh, uh, Adventure Zone Puzzles just came out. They're available at theadventurezonegame.com and soon at your local um, comic and or... Um, uh, or a friendly a- game, game? Yep. or puzzle emporium yeah. if you have one of those it's a good thing both of our sponsors are a game store and a comic book shop <laughs> i know you might you might could find these at either one of our either one of these two sponsors that's right maybe uh, i'll i'll bet that that other sponsor would also carry them can you not mention their names no Wait. i totally can okay who are your sponsors? Goodness so, guardian games Oh, well, they're not right now. Bridge but, City yeah. Comics. Right. But, and, but Asylum would also carry Asylum puzzles. would probably carry them. Yes. Totally yeah. would. Happily. Gosh, I love Bridge, and Bridge City Comics. I have to go in there again. When- uh, April 1st is their 16th anniversary. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I have to go in there. They always have really good recommendations. I used to, It's like my go there for um, during the holidays to get like a couple of graphic novels that Keith I know is not reading. And I was like, this is what he's reading right now. What do you have that's new that like this would like? And they're like, who is this guy? And I'm like, that's a long story. But all good choices. All though. good choices that we've got. Oh, yeah. Some awesome. of my best Christmas gifts to my husband were thanks to Michael Ring going, hey, you should buy this for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, cool. Um, well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for the questions. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Take care. See you soon. Yay. This seems like the perfect spot to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. First up, of course, our longest sponsor, Guardian Games. If the Adventure Zone board game sounds great to you, and I'm pretty sure it does, you can check it out at our sponsors, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Of course, they've been having in-store shopping for a long time now, but masks and all that whatnot is still required for safety and for being a good human being. There's still not any in-store gaming, but maybe one day that will return, but that doesn't matter. You can still have all kinds of amazing fun at Guardian Games. You can pick up your copy of the Adventure Zone board game, or you can place an order for Strixhaven, the uh, new Magic the Gathering expansion, which is basically them kind of doing Harry Potter. It's like a school of magic. Uh, it does look pretty cool, and this might be the set that pulls me back in yet again, uh, you monsters. So uh, check out Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, and when you're in there, please give them a big old thank you for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio, just like our friends over at Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue here in Portland, Oregon. They were recently voted um, by PDX Parent Picks as the best comic book shop for the family and for kids. And when you go to Guardian, not Guardian, well, that's cool too. When you go to Bridge City Comics, you will find out why. 
It doesn't matter the age that you are or the reader you or the, or the reader. It doesn't matter what genre you enjoy reading. Bridge City Comics will have that for you. Um, if you're buying for someone you're not quite sure what they're into, you can always get a Bridge City Comics gift certificate and then give it to them and let them pick the comic. It doesn't matter uh, you know, who you're shopping for or what they like. If they enjoy comics of any form, they're going to enjoy Bridge City Comics. All of which has been made possible by our friends over at uh, Revnats Hard Cider for supplying us with the equipment so we can continue to deliver a high-quality show from the three different areas of Portland that we are all now recording from. So a big old thanks to Revnats Hard Cider, uh, the official beverage of being stuck in your home for over a year. So that's good times. And then really quick, before we get back to the show, just a quick little shout-out to our buddies over at Asylum over on Hawthorne Boulevard across from the Baghdad Theater. They are open for some limited shopping. So, you know what? You've been stuck in your home for over a year now, and you're tired of looking at everything. Maybe you need new everythings over at Asylum. So uh, give them a big old thanks because, uh, yeah, you gotta got to help local, local small business. Let's get back to the show. Oh, now Claymore arrives. <sighs> she was she was in the middle of it. I don't know if you saw my hands <clears throat> just now. It looked like I was waving, but I was like dealing yeah. with the cat. Mm. Well, that was fun. They're yeah. always fun to talk to. They are. The last time we saw Keith was for the inaugural game episode of Keith. Oh, that's right. Yeah, January we were gonna... 2020. Yeah, Once okay. a month, we were going to do a game live. Yeah. We, we made it two months. Yeah, Because well, then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Yeah, because we did uh, Keith and Cthulhu Gloom. I was and, gonna say, yeah. I and then, think, and then we did uh, Horrified. Nope, Horrified we did separately for oh. for the on air thing. We had, I think, you were out of town. Oh, okay. Indigo Kelly came in. That's right. And we played yeah. King of Tokyo, and that was February. Yeah, March, and then March went to shit. Right, right. Yes, because uh, well, the 18th was our last in-person show. Yeah, because it was also my last day at my job. Good times. Yeah. I know. I almost said I think Keith, you were our last in-person guest, but that would have been incorrect. So, right. yeah, it would have been Indigo, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, would it have been Indigo, or would it have been uh, Greg and Ida? They don't really count as guests anymore. They're more like you know a monthly co-host for their segment. Yeah, they're they're re- recurring, um, yeah, guest hosts. Yeah, as opposed to guest stars. Yeah, there you go. I gave mm-hmm. a cat. I gave the treat. A, gave the cat a treat, <laughs> specifically not on my keyboard. And she has done everything she can to now be eating it and slobbering all over my keyboard. Yeah, that sounds I mean, like a cat. Yep. I'm like, you work on that. Come on. Are you done? Are you done licking everything? Oh, how else is everyone doing? Can I be real for a moment? Yeah, it's been a week. Yeah, yeah, and you tossed back that cocktail hard. You drank like I do. So it was after last week's show that um, I discovered the news about what happened in Atlanta. Yeah. I have been fucked up since. Um. And I, I'm still not great. Right. Like it, it is a level of background noise in the back of my head 
that has interfered with me being able to do anything that requires any amount of thought. So that's it, perfectly it, understandable. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like I, I, I don't, this is not my therapy session, so I don't want to expound further, but Jesus it's it's been, it's been nuts. I don't even have words for it. Just, it's such a perfect combination of fucked up elements that I, I really have trouble processing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, it, the intersectionality of the of the murders mm-hmm. is what really I think is really throwing me is it's the Asian American community it is the perceived sex work community it is um, women in general <laughs> and they're the way that they've been dehumanized mm-hmm. yeah by both that guy whose name I don't know. There was a there was a murder spree yesterday in Colorado and I heard that guy's name multiple times. It it is a you know Middle Eastern presenting name. Yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly where he's from, but it sounds Middle Eastern and I heard his name a ton in the last twenty four hours. Oh yeah. The Atlanta shooter still don't know what his name is. No, it's just it's just not being thrown around in the same way. Yeah, and the guy yeah. in Boulder is also super white presenting. Also, yeah, pictures of him. It's... Yeah, and I, that's that's like an element of it that is like extremely enraging to me. <clears throat> On top of just the, again, like the dehumanization of women. Yep, dehumanizing them as women, dehumanizing them as Asian women, dehumanizing mm-hmm. them as sex workers. And again, I don't, I don't want to give into the. Um, the public perception and stereotype that it was a massage parlor. So therefore there's sex workers. No. That's, that is no. not necessarily true. No. And regardless, if that is true, fine. Who the fuck cares? Doesn't like make it we, any. Yeah. We need to stop stigmatizing sex work in this country. Sex work is service work like any other job. Um, you, you just happen to be the, commodity that is being sold and therefore it's a lot more personal and it should be come with a lot more safeguards yeah and legislation and protection yeah yeah and i think it was yesterday i learned a new fact about it that i i literally read like the news article and just went yeah of course naturally that's what happened the mm-hmm. one of them, the husband of one of the victims is a Latino man. Yep. Uh, they cuffed him for two hours, assuming he was the shooter. Yep. As his wife died. Yeah. I I saw that and, and was I, yeah, I, I saw it all over again. Yeah. I got furious. And then I, then I had this voice in my head said, yeah, America, and that tracks. And I just like, I'm going to go make coffee now, I guess. Um, blacks, Asians, Latines. We need to bond. We need to. It, yeah. <laughs> white supremacy is not going to stop itself, but it's. We need more allies that are going to be working on that. Um, yeah, I. I know it, it's. I feel like anything I say is going to be glib because I 
I've hit that stage where I'm like, okay, right. And, and I don't like, that's not what this show does. Like we, we clearly need to talk about the Sam and Bucky show because that's going to be, that's that's more in our, our wheelhouse. However, I, we have never, ever shied away from the fact that it's like, Hey, this is bullshit. We're going to call bullshit. And hopefully all of you who are listening will also go, yep, that's bullshit. I'm going to go call out more bullshit. Yeah. Um, that that's all we can do at present. And I, I am at peace with that at, at the very least. Right. Um, I know that the people that listen to the show are going out there going, Nope, fuck bullshit. I'm going to go yeah. put a stop to bullshit. Yeah. So and also don't you. feel bad. We have often used the show as therapy. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is true we did it all summer yep yeah that's <laughs> that's pretty accurate yeah but yeah uh bucky sam falcon sam and the bucky. winter soldier sam, yeah. i'm having a really hard time calling it anything but the sam and bucky show <laughs> because i i felt so connected to both of those characters in that episode, like yeah. the, the, in the in the pilot episode, it's like here's a Sam and Bucky. We're <laughs> we're watching Sam and Bucky. We're, it's yes, they are the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but they're showing us that they're also Sam and Bucky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. Really important. I need to watch it again because I didn't. I didn't really get into it, and I know it's because I just wasn't paying enough attention. Oh. Okay, but also I have a hard time thinking I'm going to enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Wandavision. It's going to be a, a completely different animal. Wandavision spoke to me on a very on on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I mean, obviously, the Sam and Bucky show is um, obviously they're they're dealing with like PTSD mm-hmm. and disassociation behavior and. Um, Amongst other things that are are broadly relatable to a lot of people, but it it just didn't grab me in the same way. So, I I would also when you find out the Avengers don't pay. Yep. Which I think we kind of knew. Granted, they're not being paid, but if they go, oh man, I need this. Stark would just go, oh yeah, okay, done. Yeah, right. Um. Um. I do think it's worth a rewatch, Denise, um, because it's, while it is not, and I didn't expect this either, it is not what WandaVision was. It is, carries a lot of the same spirit of, yeah, this is not your standard superhero movie. Yes. And, and we're yes. not. And going- that's why I know that, like, I did it the disservice by hmm. not, like, giving it my full attention because it, I, I could tell with my partial attention that it's, it's doing something important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the showrunner at one point uh, in an interview a few weeks ago, they were like, well, what is this? What is this show going to be about? What is it going to be like? WandaVision is it going to do this? And he basically commented, it's like, this is going to be very decidedly a black superhero show and you're going to know it. <clears throat> and I think that they did a good job of of right off the right off the bat. Yeah, the scene in the bank, like right off the bat. I also think this show is going to make a certain uh, cross section of America a little angry because I'm also getting a vibe that 
this show is also going to point a really important but ugly lens on a lot of our governmental hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're even a semi-passing Marvel Comics fan, you know that the new cap is U.S. agent. Yep. With all the bullshit that comes with that literal, like, U.S. fascist. Um, mm. uh, side note, I had no idea. That's fucking Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Yeah! Um, That's who that is. He, yeah, and, he, and he's a good actor too. He is. Uh, he he has a show on Hulu called Lodge Forty Nine. I want to say it's Lodge Forty Something. Um, and it's I wouldn't say it's for everyone, but it is a, a really interesting, like bordering on um, magical realism, but just barely. Uh, but it's about the death of his father. Mm. I learned yesterday he is also, oddly enough, in another movie. That I've lost the name of the movie. I, I'm going to look it up. But uh, Overlord. It's called Overlord. Oh, Overlord. That's it. Which is a. It's a World War II, Nazi Germany, it's... Um, zombie movie. Except it is a twist on what if Captain America, the origin of Captain America was a zombie movie. Yeah. It literally and, has a super soldier serum in it. Yes. That, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so he's it, the guy that gets shot with the super soldier serum, right? Yeah. Which is like, that's really deep cut stunt casting to have him then play USA. Uh, the movie's not for everyone. I I dug it. It's fucking ridiculous. Did you? I, did you notice Lord? who the producer is? Yeah, I know. But he didn't write it or direct <laughs> ah, it. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that, they just took his you... they just took his money and made a movie. Mm, okay. <laughs> Who's wait, what? JJ Abrams. Oh, right. Oh, Wyatt Russell is also in um the Good Lord Bird, which uh, looks really good, but I haven't seen it because it's on one of those cable pay channels I still that I don't that. have. But yeah, uh, everyone should definitely check out Lodge 49 if you want to get to know Wyatt Russell a little more. Uh, he's he's and a or overlord. good actor. Mm-hmm. And he is the character that Falcon is saving in the opening sequence. Oh, and see, I didn't even realize it's yeah. the same guy. It's the same guy. Is it? Okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah. watch that again tonight. I was I that was the just... guy that I thought that was the guy that he's talking to on the phone. No, that that's his ground support. That's Torres. Oh, oh right, you're right. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> I had to rewatch it. I totally spaced on that part of the connection there. I I didn't notice that until I, I think Merrick is the one that pointed that out. She's looking at it going. I think that's the guy he just saved. And I looked at the credits. I was like, you are 100% correct. That That's who that was. Um, and uh, I I was mostly enamored with the fact that they brought back Batrock the Leaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that was not who I was expecting to see back. And like, of course, of course. He, he makes a great first villain for your show with uh, your your two sidekicks of Cap who are now, you know, taking that mantle over. Right. Um, I really did love the the cameo of Rhodey, though. That, that, that was cool. Cemented 
what this show was gonna be about. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. was really cool. He was in Winter Soldier also. The Leaper. Yeah, yes. Batrock the Leap. Okay. Like, Bat- the name rang a bell, so I, I had to go look real quick. Such a ridiculous villain. Batrock the Leaper is a really stupid supervillain. That's that's like, his power. His powers he? are kicking and jumping, right? Yes. Yes. Basically yes. strong legs. Yep. Yeah, I yes. remember and getting the rundown and when he's I French. watched yeah. uh Winter Soldier. And yeah, that's that's stupid. Yep. Yeah. Um, he was f- like he was a great inclusion in Winter Soldier, so that Cap can you know kick his ass. Yeah. Um, but to have him come back for this first episode of Sam and Bucky, it's like, oh, now I feel really good about where he's, this is. Gonna he's going to have a bigger part too. It's clearly, yeah, yep. Um, I do. There are folks that have made mention of like. Wait, you're telling us uh, in regards to this uh, flash mob um, anarchist movement mm-hmm. where they they bring up the fact that uh, they they kind of point out it's like this anarchist movement that the, the, the bad guys, what they want to do is destroy borders. It's like, are yeah. they really the bad guys? And I'm like, here's the thing. Bad guys co-opt anarchists ideals all the goddamn time Mm -hmm. you have to vet them it's why you have to be careful about any organization says yes we want to tear down borders i want to tear down borders but i'm also not a fascist in disguise and there are groups that do that yep um all you have to do is look at the uh the white supremacist groups that have been operating in America right now, they all operate under that same, it's like, Oh, we want this and this, Oh, this brotherhood and camaraderie is great. Also, we're going to kill black people. Oh, oh okay. That's how Quietly these operate. Out of the room. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. J- just like cult. It all, it all, everything all sounds good at the beginning. Yep. Like in theory, objectively on the outside, these are good things. And it, it, that's how they draw you in. And I think if Sam and Bucky are going to shine a light on that, that's going to help a lot of like, no, you can still be a horrible, horrible group and want idealist ideologies. It's like, oh, we don't want borders because we want to take everything over. Mm. Fascists don't want borders either. <laughs> no, they want one big border around everything that they they control. Yes, that they own. Yep. Like anarchists don't want borders because we don't need them. Because your government is fucked anyway. Exactly. It's like, why do we have wars? Well, because we think these people are supposed to have this and we don't want them to. Right. That's a dumb reason. Also, money is not real and is (laughs) dumb. Just put people in houses. Uh, it really, I saw a really interesting uh, bit of exchange on Facebook of all places um, where someone had been talking about how, um, about the phrase money can't buy happiness mm-hmm. and mm. how it's been corrupted from a, a concept of all the money in the world isn't going to, you know, fulfill you in your soul. You're just, if you're just being a greedy bastard. It's been and it's been boiled down to like, oh, well, money is not going to make you happy, so just be glad you have nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Just like keep people like to, to convince poor people that 
this is the better way to live is just like on the brink of ruin and starvation and homelessness. Yep. It's all yeah. wrong. So yeah, I, I feel like that is definitely the direction the Sam and Bucky are going to go with yeah. the background narrative. Um, I think we're going to see that in some of the supporting characters, like I'm more interested in, in uh, the on the ground, on ground support in Torres and seeing like watching him kind of be on the ground and interacting with this group. Right. And we're getting, um, I always forgot the character's name. Is it agent Carter's daughter? Yes. Agent 13. Agent 13. That's it. Yeah. Sharon. Sharon, it's Sharon Carter. She's Peggy's niece <clears throat> in the MCU. They okay. changed it from daughter, right? From yes. the comics. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting that part confused. So it'd be cool to see more of her. I'm also excited or interested to to see more about the way people lived in the five-year gap, which they've already started touching on. Oh, Um, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's definitely something that's never been talked about before. Like if you're if you're married and your spouse disappears and they're gone for five years, you might have moved on by then. Mm-hmm. And then that person comes back and it's been uh, like I forget. Is was it the same amount of time passed for them or did it feel like nothing? Five. It like was five. Quantum... It, it, felt it felt like, like nothing. nothing. Okay. The ones who were blipped. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's that's why Monica. Um, Rambeau was still sitting in her mother's hospital room. Right. And where's she my had mom? just come out of yeah. Yeah. OR. Okay, right. I, I can never, I, 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 I flip it back and forth in my mind sometimes. And, and now, yeah, so like you were, you're gone for what feels like moments and you come back and your partner has moved on. Mm-hmm. Your kids have grown up. What's, I mean, I know five years isn't like a whole lifetime, but it's a long time for, for life to change without you. And, no one's talked about that. Yeah, yet. look what has happened in the one year that was 2020. Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone's, you know, concerned about like, you know, oh, children are, are, you know, should be worried because they're they're behind. Behind who? Everyone should be equally without the same education that they thought they were going to get or that was planned for them 12 months ago. And if you are anxious about it and put that anxiety onto them. That's the only way they're going to experience that. But otherwise they have no idea. It's, this is just the way the world is. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cat. <laughs> Cat's gone crazy. Uh, yeah. The, I, I'm, we're getting a better timeline now because there is the blip is end game. Uh, one right. division is roughly two weeks after Endgame. Right. Uh, within that first <clears throat> month. And now with uh, Sam and Bucky, we are about three months out. It seems that way, yeah. And Far From Home Which, is six months out. Six months out, yeah. Uh, semi-related. All in the year of 2023. <laughs> oh, I always forget. That's right. Uh, semi-related, Disney just announced... Um, Black Widow is going to Disney Plus. They're not gonna. They're, they'll do a same day theatrical, but mm-hmm. they saw the writing on the wall. They they pushed out uh, both Marvel movies for this year because it was supposed to be released in May, and mm-hmm. it's now scheduled for a July 9th release, which pushed Shang Chi from a July release to September. 
I didn't realize they had finished filming Shang-Chi. I hadn't either. Like, I was looking it up, and I'm like, oh, shit, Shang-Chi comes out this year? What? So, yeah, that was nuts. Um, I mean, it's possible that they were doing post-production for everything that had been filmed during that, you know, that big gap in filming. But a lot of TV shows, at least, and, and movies, as far as I knew, started filming again last fall or late summer, even. Just they with just, COVID protocols. Yes. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so, so Shang-Chi comes out in September and Black Widow is July 9th. And you're right, is both Disney Plus and theaters. Right, yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't realize this. Ben Kingsley is in Shang-Chi. Really? He's on the, he's on the expanded IMDb cast list. Mm. I... I fucking loved his character in Iron Man 3. That was just such a brilliant casting. The turn. My name's Trevor. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I didn't realize uh, Rosalind Chow is in it. She's had okay. a little resurgence lately. That's interesting. The last time I looked at IMDb, there were nine cast members. I mean, unless this is like, unless IMDb is letting people put in bullshit, but this doesn't seem... It seems to track with things I've read. Yeah, the the last cast list I recognized, uh, there was nine names. One of them was a white person. The the rest of them were all Asian, including uh, Simu, Aquafina, Tony Leung, and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Michelle and Michelle Yeoh had no character listed by her name. Right. Uh, the only white guy at first was wasn't he? Uh, Florian Montagnu. Yes, he listed as secondary villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Fala Chen is in it. I don't know her that well. I think that she's uh, works from Hong Kong. Okay, Ronnie Cheng, he was in Crazy Rich Asians, also, right? Oh, that's right. Ronnie Cheng is in it. Yeah, I as, love him. Yeah, but yeah, oh, they man. just showed Rosalind Chow, Ben Kingsley. He is such Ooh. an he, his style of comedy is so lovingly abrasive. Yeah, <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. Mostly because it it bucks against the trend of what you think Asian men are supposed to be. It feels like the kind of stand up that you only get if you spent ha- if you spent like your childhood under British controlled Hong Kong, and then you mm. spent your adult years in Chinese controlled Hong Kong, or the the what do they call it the agreement, right? Because it's a it's a very much this weird mix of like he's kind of got dry British humor. But then he's got the other elements worked in, and I'm like, yeah, that that's comedy that is born from living two very odd, you know, cultural existences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and love this stuff. I kind of for Lu to be in it. I know that he he did a big post about like what you know how bummed out he was about um, Kim's convenience ending, and you know how he felt like he wasn't done with that character, and and maybe this will be like a nice big break for him. He's gonna blow up from this movie. He, he is. Um, I I think that there is. I would like to see them petition uh, Netflix and Netflix put together a two-hour Kim's Convenience movie that comes out maybe in another year. I can see that. That allows them to wrap up a lot of things that they didn't get to get to in another right. season that they were hoping for. I can see them doing that, but mm-hmm. you know they got to wrap this stuff. 
Uh, the other bit of random news, I don't know if it's true or not. There is a rumor since she's been fired that they're not actually going to recast um, Cara Dune, but that oh, the character yes. the character is being dropped from Ranger of the New Republic and replaced with Sandula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would rock. That's a, uh, I would love for that rumor to be true. Yeah, me too. Um. I will lose my mind if they bring a live action Harrison Dula mm-hmm. to Rangers. I still, I still want to uh, Paul she... Sunhan Lee to play Carbon T- uh, Carson so. Tiva. I hope so. Like, well, <laughs> Kim's is over. He's available. Right. Just bring him back. Just hit me who they would, who they could cast for Sandula. My brain went like Aquafina could do that too, because Star Wars is the one franchise she's not in yet. <laughs> she's collecting Although, she's collecting franchises like it's the ten fucking rings. I mean <laughs> Oceans. Yeah, Marvel. Oceans, Marvel. Uh Jumanji. Disney. Oh, like, yeah. oh my god, I forgot about her part in Jumanji. <laughs> I hadn't. She she does a fantastic Danny DeVito. <laughs> she really does. Mm-hmm. Actually, you oh, know what man. though? If she was going to be in Star Wars, I think I'd like to see her as Doctor Afra. Although she'd have to play it a play it a little more straight than she usually does, because Aquafina just like as a, as a human is a little bit like wackier than I think even Afra is. Mm-hmm. Afra is yeah. more an agent of chaos, but not in a funny wacky way. The the person that they I thought they had cast as Doctor Afra was um, Chloe Bennett. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. But I don't know how true that is now that she is one of the Powerpuff Girls she for the upcoming that. Power. That's true. Like it, it, it's Chloe Bennett and Dove Cameron, and I've forgotten the other uh, actress's name. Uh, Model turned actress uh, for so the, the live action Powerpuff Girl movie. The current thing was he, someone he named Emily Wu Zeller as Doctor Afra. Mm-hmm. I don't know who, I don't that, know is. who that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe they're talking about a voice acting because she's a voice actor, voice performer. Oh, is Doctor Afra going to show up in the Bad Batch? No, that's too no, soon. That's too soon. Huh. I don't know. Is that even the right time? Oh, wait, no. that's an audio book that they're showing the cast for. Ah, okay. All right. Sorry. Well, yeah, there's there's no real speculation. Info. Yeah. <laughs> we should start wrapping up the show pretty soon, too. Um, do you mind if I give a shout out to another podcast who is doing a uh, something that I think would be near and dear to all of our hearts? other podcasts on this podcast gross um <laughs> there is the the podcast the gay lords of darkness which is hosted by anthony Hudson and stacy ponder uh they do a lot of it's queer view on uh horror movies last year they did a marathon called the three inning where they specifically for one week they watch the third installment of any horror franchise. Awesome. 
and they raise money during that time. They put up a, uh, a GoFundMe so that they can raise money and then donate it to a charity. Last year, it was a Black Lives Matter charity that they donated to. This year, they are donating to the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Um, their original goal was $1,000. They're currently over uh, 3300 I think 3500 So their new goal is $4,500. Right. Um, I definitely recommend checking them out. Uh, so far, they have done the Poultry um, oh. Guys 3. Yeah. And Children of the Corn 3. Oh, my God. What was that title again? Gay Lords of Darkness. <laughs> so please give it a listen. You know, even when I was a kid and was using inappropriate slang, even then... I thought, like, Gaylords is such a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> just is. There's some of those words that just make me go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, just there. It, it makes no sense. But I can't decide which is worse: Poltergeist Three or Children of the Corn Three. Yeah, Children of the Corn Three: Urban Harvest. They okay, actually have some I've very charming and loving things to say about Poltergeist Three, which is nice. So. Yeah, I always feel bad for that one for multiple reasons. I think the person they most drag is uh, Laura Flynn Boyle's character. Oh, she's awful. Yes, and and they drag the character appropriately. But I just feel bad because just the character, right? I was feel bad because Tangina just goes out like a punk in that movie for no reason. I'm like, <laughs> what the shit was that? That's right. Yeah, my my uh, friend at work, uh, Eric pointed at this show he's like you need to listen to this i don't care if you guys talk about it on geek in the city but you you need to listen to this check it out oh sorry that's all right <laughs> uh i don't think there's time to acknowledge the fact that we've all watched the four-hour movie <laughs> yeah I, I, have, I have nothing to say at this point Maybe Cable and I'll do a supplemental sometime. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can. I can honestly say that I really have disliked his movies over the years, and I didn't hate this. So take mm-hmm. that for what you, what it is. I didn't hate it. It's just it's, it's four it's hours a movie. long. <laughs> it's a it's a movie, yeah. and it's four hours long. It That's, is four hours long. I I could like dissect it, but I mean, a I'd have to watch it some more, and I'm not going to do that. If you if you want to have fun, just go on to Leslie Jones' uh, Twitter feed because she live tweeted her watching of it. So just watch. The- okay, I'll, I'll, I might have to do that. So, yeah, people are now actually demanding more Schneiderverse just so Leslie Jones can live tweet. <laughs> Here's a comment that I will make. And then I wish I, I'd I also, known that. I also watched uh, Coming to America this past week. Yeah, and I think the visual effects. On coming to America were much better than Justice League. Yes, and that's after they redid a bunch of the CGI, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it that was is... just the the choice of how they designed the the CGI characters. Quite honestly, mm. um, someone after she started tweeting about it uh, tagged in Ava DuVernay and said, "So you need to cast Leslie Jones as one of the Furies in your new God movies." And I'm like, "Oh." One of the four Furies. Mm-hmm. That'd be sweet. I feel like the the obvious choice would be to make her Stompa. Probably. But it would be 
brazen and exciting to make her granny. Yeah. Oh, she'd be so good. I mean, granted, like granny should actually be Ed Asner and drag, but yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> I just re I just rewatched Red a few days ago and I forgot about his tiny part as the uh CIA archivist. You're right, I forgot about that too. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't I don't know anything about this. <laughs> Red's Red's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's goofy. on I think it's on Prime right now. It's goofy fun. Yeah. Probably the last thing Bruce Willis did that I enjoyed. Mm. And it wasn't even Bruce Willis that I liked. It was Mary Louise Parker and John Malkovich. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. And Helen Mirren. Oh my God, that's right. How could I forget Helen Mirren? Dame Helen Mirren. Best wet works in the business. Mm-hmm. What's that? I kill people, dear. <laughs> what did R.E.D. stand for again? It was retired, retired, extremely dangerous. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so red's an acronym. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap up this week? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Big thanks again to Keith Baker and uh, Jen, Jen Ellis. Ellis. Yep. They were yeah. fantastic. And I want to check this game out. Because I... in full disclosure, I've never listened to The Adventure Zone. I listened to a few uh, early episodes. It's, it's humorous. I obviously did not get like sucked in and like committed to it, but it's 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 amusing. Yeah. It sounds like we are the perfect demographic group to play this game. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking. So, um, I, you, don't, you don't need fandom to enjoy a Together Studios game. This is also very true. I don't think any of us are big time Decemberist fans, but we love Illimat. So. Yeah, that's true. Eh, I kind of am a Decemberist. I like the Decemberist for sure. I like them, but I wouldn't consider myself a big time fan. Fair. Um. I look forward to being able to play games with them again, too, mm-hmm. in person. Mm-hmm. I think we need to follow up with that whole, like, let's have a barbecue and game day when yep. we can nice. all be in the same yard together. 100%. I mean, by then, Bean's probably going to be working for them. Right, right. So we'll, be ba- <laughs> we'll basically be family. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> all right. Well, on that, uh, I'm Aaron Durand. I'm Bean Arita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week.